Good morning. It is getting warm. Ooh, here we go. Summer is coming. And so welcome to Kahalui Baptist Church. Uh, my name is Randy Pauley. I serve as the pastor here. And now that we have Easter Resurrection Sunday behind us, we have our preschool Sunday behind us, I just want to say a thank you to everybody who came out and helped serve in uh, various ways and various forms and different times. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for helping one another and sharing the gospel of Christ in word and deed to our preschool families and especially to one another. And so, uh, just thank you. Also, as Jay said, I want to announce uh, we do have a brief time of prayer. Uh, I was also told to emphasize it is brief, so it's not going to be a full prayer meeting after the service. It will be a brief kind of touch and go. Uh, let's pray for Wahoo, seek the Lord's will in that regard. And uh, the title of the sermon today, if you are taking notes, and I encourage you to do so, is We Proclaim Christ. We Proclaim Christ, a call to biblical, or sorry, to deliberate discipleship, hopefully biblically deliberate, a call to deliberate discipleship from Colossians 1, 28 and 29 and 3, we'll hone in on verses 16 to 17. Let's pray. Father in heaven. This is your flock, this is your bride gathered this morning, a portion of it here at Kahalui Baptist Church and in other places across the island. Grant that the words that come out of my mouth would be none other than the words that are reflected in your word. Grant that we would proclaim Christ together that we would walk and abide in this word of Christ together, that it would dwell richly among us in this room and in our homes when we separate. Father, may we teach and warn and admonish one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs today and every day this week. And in so doing... Would you so move in your people that we might be mature, that I might be able to present everyone in here as mature in Christ when you return? Lord, would you do this? Only you can do this, and we're asking you to do it not for my good, not for any other person's good in here. Ultimately, for the glory of your great name, would you do this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are taking a small interlude from the beginning of 1 John chapter 1 uh, and our summer series that will take us through almost the end of the summer and then into Revelation. Uh, I printed off some, some bookmarks made. I had a lot of requests about this. Uh, this will give you the sermon schedule more or less subject to change uh, through August 26th through the end of August. So if you want to be studying and reading ahead and uh, like the Bereans, searching the scriptures daily to see whether the things Pastor Randy is saying are so, then this will help you to do that. If you want to perhaps use this so that you are in the sword of the spirit, the word of God, Pastor Jim is passing them out right now, then we encourage you grab one um, and hopefully that will be helpful to you in your own study and personal time with the Lord. So today, we are in Colossians 1 to do a, a type of topical sermon, which we do from time to time here uh, in between our normal series. So a few years ago, I went through some major changes in life. I had a child, our first child, uh, Titus, who's, I believe, back there somewhere. Um, had a child. That's a change in and of itself. We changed careers. I went from working for MPD to serving here as a pastor. Had two more children, a number of geckos, dogs, cats, and other assorted creatures of various types. Uh, and lots of other things happened. And, and just in general, getting older. And what happened as time progressed, I noticed that some of my clothes uh, began to fit differently. Uh, and and they, were, they got a little bit tighter in some of the wrong places, right? So not, not like here, but more like 
here, and uh, it wasn't good, and, and you go to put on your pants, and you're like, you know, and trying to, to squeeze it on. All these transitions, this was happening more and more, and some things still fit, and even though things that fit, some of them just weren't needed any longer. So, for instance, we had a, a moving around Georgia, Missouri, uh, I came here with some, some cold clothes, right, some cold weather clothes, and don't really need those very much in Maui. So those seasonal type of things just weren't necessary anymore. So some things weren't fitting well, and then some things just weren't necessary due to a change of season and lifestyle. All that to say, even though seasons in our lives had changed, my, my own body was changing, the simple purpose of clothing remained the same. What is the simple purpose of clothing? keep you from being naked. That's it. That's the simple purpose. Before it's fashion and anything else, it's to cover your nakedness since Genesis chapter 3. That's why. And that purpose remained the same, even though the seasons and styles and fits had changed. Now, all that to say, the same as is true of clothing is also true of the church of Jesus Christ, of a local church, a family of God. Churches go through various seasons, transitions, changes, stages of life, and the dynamics of the congregation are always shifting and changing. And ours has gone through some transitions as well, hasn't it? Over five years. It has. It has good transitions. What we found were some things that once fit well kind of fit tightly in some of the wrong places at times. And some things that once were very appropriate just due to seasonal changes were no longer the best fit or the right thing for at that time. And so we've gone through a number of changes, made some adjustments throughout, and more to come. And beloved, this is always the case. Generally, a static church is a dying church. A static church tends to be a dying church. Living organisms tend to what? To move and change. And so, praise God, we are seeing some change. And this will always be the case, no matter what. But the purpose is the same. Glorify God and make disciples. The purpose is the same. Even if seasons change, transitions happen, dynamics of body life change, the purpose always remains the same, or it better remain the same. Live for the glory of God. Make disciples of all nations. And so to that end, what I want to do this week, prior to 1 John, is give a a brief biblical sort of, and it is brief, uh, overview of kind of everything we do as a church, everything we do in life together as a church. Why do we sing the way we sing? Why do we do this kind of structure the way we do the structure? Why do we do small groups and Sunday schools? and, And how does all that fit together to accomplish our goal to glorify God and make disciples? And how does it affect you this summer and the weeks and months to come? So uh, let's get at it. I have a lot to do and some practical encouragements to end with. So uh, I have three points, three points uh, in number one, proclamation. Point number one, proclamation. The message, and and Rocky kind of hit on this, so I'm not going to spend a ton ton of time on the content of the message. We'll be covering that. I mean, the content, I'll give you the the spoiler alert. It's the gospel. All right, that's the content of our message. It's the gospel week in and week out, multi-layered in every tier of what we do. It's the gospel. That's a spoiler, I know, for some of you. But here I want you to see something between the two passages in Colossians 1, verse 28. It says, Him... We proclaim. There is a proclamation. There is a message. And then in chapter 3, it's going to say, you are teaching one another. You are admonishing one another. So we're proclaiming to everyone, you, the members, are teaching and admonishing one another with the word that we're proclaiming, which he calls the word of Christ. Clear enough so far? 
And so there is a message, a clear type of speech and proclamation that happens here at Kahului Baptist Church week in and week out. And we see that, in, and one of the reasons for that is it is based in passages like this before us, Colossians 1, 28. And so note those two Two parallels between those two. We proclaim, you proclaim, you teach, you admonish. Now, it's important to note, this isn't just evangelistic discipleship in crowds of unbelievers. Some can take it that way, that, that this is just, Paul's just talking about uh, evangelistic proclamation of the gospel to crowds of unbelievers, not regular, ongoing proclamation to the body of the redeemed. But this is not what's in mind here. What's in mind here is the regular, ongoing practice of proclaiming Christ. We proclaim Him. Him we proclaim. Christ to the gathered body as a driving force of life in the body of Christ. This isn't evangelistic to unbelievers. This is regular, ongoing to the church of God, to the redeemed people. Him we proclaim. To who? to the believers gathered in the church to whom this letter was written. How do we know this? Well, briefly, for time's sake, all you have to do is look at the purpose clause in verse 28. Look at the purpose clause. This is what it says. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Here's the purpose, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's the purpose, to present you as mature in Christ. The purpose of his regular proclamation, both in prison and via letter, in his absence, was to present all of them, who's them? The believers, all of them mature in Christ. This doesn't happen through one sermon, or two sermons, or five sermons. This doesn't happen through that type of method. How does it happen? It happens through the regular, ongoing proclamation of Christ to the gathered body as a driving force of life in the body of Christ. That's how it happens. This has always been the case in the history of the redeemed. And so we preach, and so we proclaim. That's why you gather and hear somebody preach the word of Christ, whether it be Pastor Randy or Pastor Jay or Pastor Rocky or Pastor Jim or Nick or somebody else. They are faithfully proclaiming Christ. So we proclaim and preach regularly, weekly, and expositionally. Expositionally. The main diet, the main diet, not the only exclusive but the main diet of a healthy church should be expositional preaching. Now, we've done a lot of teaching and discussion on that here in the life of the church. If this is your first time here and you're like, what is expositional preaching? What, what is that? Uh, you just have to talk to me after service, all right? So for time's sake, I'm just going to over, go over that. I know it's, you're like, that's a big word. I don't understand. You're not supposed to use big words, Pastor Randy. It's okay. Google it, all right? You'll find it. expositional preaching. Preaching should be the main diet of the church. What I want to say about this, though, is that this type of preaching demands expositional listening. Ooh. I don't just have the only job to expound the text. You have a job to expound me expounding the text. Expositional Listening, which is to say that by no means are you passive this morning. Just because you're not moving and walking around up here doesn't mean you are passive. You are active or you are to be active expositors of the Word of God with me. This is why we have the public reading of the Scripture, so you can have it. This is why I have this bookmark, so that you can have it the week before if you desire, and that's the best, be preparing and reading over these things so that you can more actively engage with me as we together get into the Word, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 
And if we are together expounding the Scriptures, expounding the Word of God, then whether the person is Pastor Randy or Pastor Jay or Pastor Rocky or Nick Tanaka or Wes Higuchi or Pastor Jim, whoever it is, if we are expounding the Word of God, then what happens? We ought to receive it as the Word of God and submit to it and follow it. Amen? So, we preach and we proclaim expositionally from the Word of God. Our preaching has a distinctive content. What is the content of our preaching? Him we proclaim. Christ, the person and the work of Christ is the content of our preaching. This is important because the Christian life is not just a body of doctrine that you are to receive, learn, memorize, and check off on your to-do list. That's not Christianity. What you are following, whom you are worshiping, is a person, is the person of Christ. It's whom you are learning and knowing, and this is essential to discipleship. It's not just knowing facts about Christ. You talk to anybody on the streets in Maui, most people, not anybody, most majority of people will know about Jesus, that he was the Son of God, that he claimed to be the Son of God, that he was crucified, that he was claimed to rise again three days. We know lots of facts about Christ. You can even live an entire life in church and teach about Christ and still not know the person of Christ. Our goal is actually to know him, to know him with the goal of becoming like him in thought and word and deed. And this process is an entire lifetime of learning. It's an entire lifetime of learning Christ, which leads to our next point. So that's number one, proclamation, our proclamation. I could talk about how we proclaim him in the order of service. I've I've alluded to that in various sermons, but we're going to move to presentation. Presentation. This is the goal. This helps us see what is the goal of the proclamation. What is the goal of, of this worship that we do both gathered and scattered? What is the goal? It is presentation. That we may present, in Colossians 1.28, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's my goal this morning. That's my goal all week. That's your, that should be your goal and your life together, to present everyone as complete, mature, fully formed into the image of Christ. Have you ever noticed that the longer you're married to somebody, the more you become like them? You notice that? The more alike you become aligned in your tastes, in your goals. Now, that's not to say I said like. doesn't mean same. I didn't say identical, all right? Because there's still some ways in which we are very, very different and will remain so. But we are, the longer you're married with somebody, the scriptures say the two become one flesh. And so what happens is you have two people who are very unlike one another, no matter how much they think they are alike, and then they live together, and they actually truly become one the longer you're with them. And this is no surprise that this is designed to reflect, or our discipleship pattern is designed to reflect this in marriage, because marriage is a picture of the gospel, the relationship of Christ and the church, such that the longer... We are with Christ. The longer we know Christ and follow Him, what is the expectation? The more we become like Him, aligned in vision and desires and joys and sadness such that the things that break God's heart become the things that break our heart. And the things that bring God joy become things that bring us joy. So the goal is that we would together, and that I, as Paul is saying, would complete, would present all of you as complete, mature in Christ, to become like him. That is the goal, maturity, or your conformity to Christ's 
likeness. This is a, here's another big word, okay? This is the process from which you come from being not like Christ to being more like Christ. The term is called sanctification, okay? That's, that's the technical term, sanctification. That's what we call it. This term falls under the term discipleship, discipleship. Now, I want you to picture if I had an umbrella up here, I don't have an umbrella up here. If I had an umbrella up here, picture me holding the umbrella, and underneath the umbrella, the umbrella would be discipleship. And underneath discipleship, umbrella's a, a, discipleship's an umbrella term. It encompasses all these things, evangelism, salvation, sanctification. All these aspects are encompassed under this umbrella term, discipleship. It's used so much now in church vernacular that it's one of those words that offers an explanation without saying anything really at all. Well, what do you do as a church? Discipleship. Oh, okay, sounds good. What did I just say? Nothing. I said really very little in terms of explanation. It's one of those words now. So let me give you a definition of a disciple, and then I'll continue to flesh this out, how this plays out in the life of KBC. I quote, a disciple is someone engaged in transformative learning. A disciple is somebody engaged in transformative learning. This is a kind of learning where their student understanding of reality. This is the type of learning where your understanding of reality is changed, is literally changed as you repent, submit, and follow your new Lord and Master. It's transformative learning. This is why discipleship, when you see Jesus calling his disciples, they're not going to a college course a few times a week. What are they doing? They're following him 24 hours a day, seven days a week so that they can see how he lives life. And in so doing, as they follow him, his words, his teaching, their understanding of reality is transformed. And they see more and more glimpses of who this Jesus really is. And then they become more and more like him. And the cycle continues, you see. It's a lifestyle of transformative learning. And so by extension, if we were to broaden this, the church can be thought of as a transformative learning community where we are learning Christ together. Think about it like that. What do we do here? Why do you gather? Why would you gather at Kahalui Baptist Church or any church if you're visiting with us? Why would you gather with these other people for the sake of hearing the word of God proclaimed and helping one another to learn Christ and follow him? with the goal of becoming like him. Now, this helps an awful lot in understanding differences in the body. An awful lot. If you look at everybody in here as different stages of learning Christ, not better, not worse, different stages of learning Christ. Some of you might have a really good grasp of Christ in a certain area. You are very much like him in this area. Somebody else might be very much like Christ in another area and seem stronger or godlier than you. Such is not necessarily the case. That's all, all that is to say is that you have strengths. They have strengths. You have weaknesses in areas that you need to learn Christ and develop to become more like him. They have areas. Sorry, I'm picking on this side over here. All of you have areas. Uh, it's nobody's like, who's talking to me? I knew it, right? All of you have areas that you need to learn Christ and grow in him. Amen. And together, we learn Christ better, better than alone, than if we were alone. So we have different stages of learning, different strengths, different giftings. And this life of discipleship encompasses or ought to encompass everything Everything we do, both gathered and individually in our home lines. Amen. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's the goal. Which leads us to number three. 
So that was proclamation. The goal is presentation. And number three, it requires perseverance. Perseverance. This will be where I spend the bulk of the time, the last of our time together in this point here. It's going to require perseverance. Let's read verse 29. Paul says, for this I, what, toil, labor. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. And if you were to jump to chapter 3 and go through verse 12, and we can just skim this, and you get an idea of why it takes labor and toil and struggle and energy. Listen to the, to the verbs of what he's commanding now the Christians to do. Put on holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Why do you need a heart of compassion? Because you're going to deal with people who are at times not compassionate. Kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. Why would he command you to forgive in the body? If, what does that indicate by statement that you will what against each other? You will sin against each other. Therefore, you will need to forgive one another. Sometimes we're shocked in the body of Christ when another believer sins against you like, oh! I thought church is where people were supposed to be nice to each other. It's also where people are supposed to forgive each other when they're not. It's true. Above all these, put on love, verse 14, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And he goes on, you see. So what we need in this endeavor, if we are to regularly, faithfully proclaim Christ with the goal of presenting everybody mature, is perseverance. Perseverance. So how do we do that as a church? All right, it sounds good. In principle, but what does it look like in practice at Kahului Baptist Church? Well, before we get to practice, we need to talk about manner. The manner. Before we get to method, we need to speak of the manner. What does it look like or feel like? Feels like labor. That's what it's going to feel like. Going to require energy which means to say at times you will feel exhausted, you will feel poured out, spent, out of gas, tired. It's going to take energy. For this I toil, struggling with all of his energy that he powerfully works within me. It's going to take energy. You're going to come home and you're going to want to plop on the couch and get on the TV or YouTube, and that's just so much easier. It's going to take labor and toil to do this. That's what it's going to feel like. And because of this, you need perseverance and effort. And I wish it were just energy, as if we could caffeine our way through it. Red Bull, just give me a Red Bull, I'll go serve the Lord till I die. I wish that were the case, but it's more than just energy. At times, it's painful labor. Labor, we kind of tend to leave anyways, don't we? Painful labor, even more so. Where do I get that from the text? It's that word translated struggling in chapter 1, verse 28. Sorry, verse 29. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy. Why am I getting pain from there? Because that underlying Greek word is where we get our English word agony. I'm in agony. When do we use that word to describe pain? When it really, really hurts. That's when. When we're in agony. And so we see that there is a hue of painful toil 
at times to this. Painful work. Now, all that to say as well, we need to realize it's not our energy. It's not our energy, is it? If it was our energy, the work wouldn't get done. It's not our energy. Whose energy is it? For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. It's God's power who's at work in you. When you undertake, when you set to do this, it is God's power that is driving you forward, working in you to will and to do that which is pleasing in his sight. And so Paul says, this is why I do it, and this is what you ought to do. I toil, struggling, proclaiming Christ. You teach warning one another in various ways as he flushes it out in Colossians 3. So no matter what the method is that we employ to make disciples, the manner should feel like labor, at times painful labor. That doesn't mean it's without joy. It doesn't mean it's not enjoyable. It just means it requires effort and perseverance in the work. So, having said that, let's get into details. What approach as a church do we take in this regard? Okay, so, cool, I'm there, I want to do it. What approach do we take in this regard? There are two approaches that churches tend to take to fulfill the Great Commission and make disciples. Generally, two approaches. There's, it's more like a spectrum. I won't get into all the nitty-gritty details, but two approaches. The most popular approach, what most churches tend to do, is known as a program-driven approach. Program-driven in their making of disciples. Many of you come from different backgrounds of churches here. Whenever you come and join Kahului Baptist Church, many of you come from various church backgrounds, and most often you are a part of a church that was heavily programmatic or that relied on a program to do this. That's the, that's the reality of the case. And so it's kind of confusing when you come here and, and you wonder, why don't we have all these various ministries, women's ministry, men's ministry, children's ministry, youth ministry, every type of subcategory under the sun that you can divide people. Why don't we have all of that? It can be kind of confusing. Some of that is partially intentional that we don't. Some of that is partially Intentional. There's good things to be said for sure when we talk about a program-driven church. There's good things for sure. It's not all bad, so don't hear me saying that. At its best, programs strive to connect people. At its best, they strive to connect and serve people so that they can minister relationally and biblically. That's at its best. That's what they strive to do. What often happens is the tail ends up wagging the dog. Instead of programs serving people, people often end up serving programs and becoming highly discouraged in the process. They can also tend to create an atmosphere in a church that is very busy, has lots of involvement at multiple levels, and sometimes, and I won't say sometimes, many times, not a lot of Christ-likeness in those who are serving. So, programs tend to be the ministry rather than facilitate the ministry. So, when the program ends, so does the ministry until the launch of the next campaign or program. Again, lots of good things can come out of this, okay? I don't, I don't want to, if you came from a church, you're like, that sounds like my church. Sounds like a, right? I like that type of thing, right? Lots of good things can come out of this. But it's not the approach to discipleship you're going to find here at Kahului Baptist Church. So if that's not the approach, what is? What is? Many people come here, and you fall in love with the church. 
You come and you hear a certain type of preaching. I'm not saying the preacher. I'm just saying I understand I preach a certain style expositionally through the Scriptures, proclaiming Christ that isn't normative in churches, unfortunately. Once upon a time it was. It is not. And so they, they'll hear a certain style of, of the Scriptures. They see the people and they just love it. I've heard many people just comment, and even you, you just, you just love it. You just love the church. You know something's different, but you can't entirely, like, what, what is it that's different? This is what you're feeling. This is what you're sensing. When you say, I just don't, I, I love our church, it almost seems counterintuitive because we don't have a program for everything. Actually, it seems like we have uh, some of the less things, but yet people still love it and come and gather. What, what is it exactly? here. What's the secret sauce? There's no secret sauce. The reason for this is quite simple. We strive for a type of relationship-driven ministry approach. A relational-driven, not program, but relationship-driven ministry approach. The result of that is this isn't something that is easily mapped out or diagrammed on a flowchart. Like you come in here and you attend here and then you move here and here and in this 10 years you'll be a leader of this group and then you're now doing it, right? It's not something that's easily mapped out or charted or that has easily measurable metrics to gauge. It tends to be messier, feels a little less organized. However, over time, it envelops a larger cross-section of the church. It envelops and engages a larger cross-section of the church as a whole, and it can develop a deeper and longer-lasting community of believers knit together in true love, not program-driven, but naturally that arises out of believers sharing Christ with one another. If you became a member in the past five years, all my new member orientations, I say this. I'll tell you this. We have a lot of areas of need at Kahului Baptist Church. We need everybody to serve, to be everything that God intended us to be. But the first and best way you will serve our church is getting to know and love on the members. That's what I tell every single person who comes through. The first and best way, before you think about signing up for anything... Here's a member directory, or on a Sunday morning, get to know the people in here. Pray for them, love on them. That's what I tell every person who comes. That's the first and best way to serve our church. And as you do that, as you get to know the members and love on them, in time, there's a good chance you won't need to ask anybody how to get involved how to serve. Because in relationship, you will see needs, you will see hurts, you will see heartaches, you will see all these things, and you will be in a poised, prime position to meet that need for the glory of God and love of Christ. Amen. Again, it's messy. It's not, organi- it's not a huge flow chart, but it creates a deep, long-lasting love for one another in the body of Christ. You don't need permission to do it. You don't need to sign up to do it. We want to cultivate an area where it is just natural that members are moving towards one another like this. What does it require? It requires you to stay a little later and come a little earlier on Sunday mornings and be willing to step out of your pew and See somebody you don't know and say, hi, my name is Randy. The first few times, if you're not used to doing this, you're probably going to be really nervous or not say anything wise or godly at all. And probably just say, oh, good, good to see you. See you next week, right? <laughs> the more you try, the better you'll get. How long have you been here? How long have you been a member? How did you come to know, right? These types of things we hope will become natural and will form the basis of you doing Colossians 3, 12 through 17 together, proclaiming, teaching one another this word of Christ. And the aim of doing these types of relationships 
is to do spiritual good to one another. That's the aim. That it would be normal to form relationships in the body of Christ with the aim of doing that person spiritual good. The result of you doing this here, many of you are doing this already, by the way. The result of you doing this is that many visitors, people like Ed Moore, who came for our Nine Marks conference, that dude still texts me how encouraging he was, how encouraged he was by the believers here. The, the result of that is people see and say, as I heard on Easter Sunday, somebody said, man, those people just really seem to love one another. Praise God. We tricked them. We got them. They don't see, right? No, no. but right, what did Jesus say? They will know you are my disciples by your love. And you guys are doing this, and you're loving, and I want to encourage you to keep doing it, and it will require perseverance and labor and toil. So when you're tired or when you get sinned against or when that person just rubs you the wrong way, keep going. Keep going. If you are here and you're not regularly engaging in these types of relationships, if all you do is come on Sunday, I'm not going to scold you. I'm just going to tell you, you are missing out on a huge portion of God's work here at Kahului Baptist Church. Amen. We don't want you to miss out. We want you to be in, involved, growing, becoming like Jesus. So you're here. You say, I'm sold, Pastor. What do I do? I want to get in on this. I want to grow. But how? How do I do this? Where do I begin? Four ways. Four ways. Remember, it's all going to take labor and energy. Four ways. Number one, practice biblical hospitality. Practice biblical hospitality. Make it normal in your life to gather with other believers. Simple. Make it a normal part of your life to gather with other believers. Meals are very natural for this. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, after church. Some moms in our church do this. They, they hang out and they just do life together. Or if you have somebody else in a similar season that you just do life together, do that. As you're doing this, try and be intentional, at least somewhat, in moving out of your generational or cultural box. I met a military couple on Oahu. They were stationed on the base. I said, did you guys get ever done this and this and this? And they said, oh, we don't ever leave base. <laughs> you are missing the beauty of what is Hawaii. Not the beaches, but knowing the people. They never left their culture. They never got out of their cultural box. They just stayed there. It was comfortable. They said, we have everything we need. Make a point to get out of your generational and cultural box. Make it a point to interact with somebody different than you. Instead of having lunch with your dear friend, maybe go have lunch with a homebound member. Include them. The total different season of your life, I promise it will bless your soul. Help others move houses. Meet some other need that you see. And as you do this, you are guaranteed to be rubbed the wrong way. <laughs> I guarantee you will be rubbed the wrong way. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a good thing. Have you ever considered that many times when you find yourself irritated by another member in the body of Christ, you find them getting on your nerves, or you just wonder, why do they do it like this? Why don't they do it like that? This is so obvious. Why they, like, I just don't get it. Why are they the way they are? Probably what you're sensing is their different giftings and strengths in the body of Christ. And rather than get irritated at them, we should praise God for his wisdom in putting us together in the body of Christ. It'd be as if the fingers were getting mad at the toes for having a hard time opening the door. Why, what's wrong with you? I showed you how to do this. Like, why can't you get this? It's so easy for me, right? You're probably sensing when that happens different gifting. So think about the person in the body that irritated you. And I know some of you have probably somebody, all right? What you're probably thinking or sensing is different giftings. Rather than get irritated, Know that God placed you together, and he is infinitely wise, and praise him 
Because with that believer, you are stronger. You are stronger and more complete than if you didn't have them. Hospitality is number one. Number two, deliberate discipleship. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell, be at home in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Deliberate discipleship on a regular basis. As you're doing lunch and life together, perhaps this would be a good time to do that. Maybe get together with another believer and go through the scriptures. Maybe a good biblical book or the sermon, the sermon together. Talk about those things. Talk about things of the Lord. Engage in deliberate discipleship. Find somebody of the same gender who you can move towards and do spiritual good to spiritual good to. Number three, small group discipleship. Get engaged in one of our small group discipleship venues. We have a few different types, uh, small groups that meet in homes, home-based type small groups, and then a Sunday school with the aim of equipping you to do the work of the ministry, and it works on a quarterly basis. Get involved in one of those, not all of them, okay? I don't want you here five days a week, okay? If you are here a lot, when are you ever out there, right? So get involved in some of those, grow, and live for the glory of God. And then come back and grow some more and get sharpened some more and press in for the glory of God. Small group discipleship. And then the fourth one and the last one it has to be mentioned Our aim is to proclaim Christ expositionally from the Scriptures in hopes of building biblical community that is deep, diverse, and lasting. That's our aim. And something very odd happens. As these relationships form and grow strong and get deep, inevitably they do something very strange. Very strange. What do they do? Some of them deliberately separate. After all this labor and struggle and toil and pain to form this relationship, then we separate? What? Why? painful. It hurts. Why would we separate? Because the love of Christ compels us. As I meditated on this, my eye, even now, you see tears, right? Because I love, I love every one of you in here. God has blessed our efforts. Praise God. And as this happens, we see what happened in the book of Acts. Some, for the love of Christ, separate intentionally and deliberately through tears and pain so that others who don't know him can be brought in. So we separate temporarily so that others can be brought into this eternally. And the temporal pain of our separation serves to magnify, multiply, and amplify our eternal joy when we gather together in heaven with the throng of the redeemed and sing praises to the Lamb who was slain that made all of this community possible in the first place. Praise God. So it seems odd that we would disciple, build community, encourage one another, and then ask you to deliberately separate, doesn't it? It seems kind of like an odd circle. Maybe if we state it another way, it'll make perfect biblical sense. Let me state it another way. Go, therefore, 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And surely in that instruction somewhere is the first part, go. We go. So the time is coming for some of us to consider separation from this beautiful community that God has blessed us with at Kahului Baptist Church so that others might be brought in. Some of you are praying, and others of you need to be praying about your potential involvement in the Waiehu Church plant in 2019 with Pastor Jay and Rocky. Pray about that, not because we want you to leave Kahului Baptist Church, and this is going out to everybody, not because we want you to leave Kahului Baptist Church, but because we want you to be faithful, and we want to see others know the same movement of God, the same forgiveness of God, the same peace of God, the same power of God, the same joy of God that he has granted you and all of us. They won't know him if we don't go. How will they hear without a preacher? How will they hear if we don't go? And so I hope many of you will stay for a brief time of prayer following the service. And if you don't, if you've got things to do, next time, be praying in your homes. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness and your hearts to God. Let's pray. Father, we want this at Kahului Baptist Church. Thank you for the growth you have shown here, the, the seasons of change and how we are seeing so much love abounding, so many members intentionally encouraging one another. Would you encourage our hearts, nourish our souls, and lead us as you will to go in many ways and deliberately make disciples while we proclaim Christ together and to one another. In Jesus' name, amen.